Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. Here's a random question. If you bumped into a favorite celebrity on the street, would you rather take a selfie with them or get their autograph? Ooh. I would say, you know, originally autograph would have been it because, of course, selfies weren't really a thing. But I would think Mm. probably the selfie now is more desirable because you need to prove to people that you actually met them, right? Yeah, and plus you can frame it. It looks good. Yeah, 5,000 people were asked, and apparently autographs are still a thing, but only a quarter of us would want that. Most of us would rather take the selfie. And then some say they wouldn't ask for either of them. Mm. Yeah, especially, I was going to say here, you know, Canadians are a lot more polite when it comes to that sort of thing, or at least shy away from from drawing or, or seeking that attention. Have you ever uh, been somewhere and saw a celebrity pop out of nowhere or thought you saw a celebrity? Uh, I mean, I, I don't I don't think so. I'm trying to I can't recall whether or not I, I think I've seen a, like it would be a true like a list celebrity mm. pop up. I uh, I had a couple of occasions. One, I, I met uh, John Candy at a Rolling Stones IMAX movie. He was sitting a, a couple of seats ahead of us, and he was such a very nice man. He We knew it was him. He had a big Argos coat on. This is when he owned the Argos. And uh, it was me and Maria and another couple, and we were watching this thing. And we all four of us wanted the Stones movie to end so fast right. so that we could meet John Candy. And so we waited for him to pop up, and then we kind of made our way uh, out, and he uh, we stopped him and just said, hello, Mr. Candy, big fans, blah, blah, blah. And uh, he was very, very nice and uh, actually spent more time gabbing with us than he really needed to. He was terrific. Uh, and then um, I think I saw Suzanne Summers once at the airport. <laughs> Not sure. <laughs> Years ago. If you had been using her thigh master, you might have been able to catch her. Yeah. I think I saw her get into a car. Um, Maya Rudolph, I think, walked by me in New York City. Okay. I was pretty sure it was her. She was walking fast, head down, but I was pretty sure. And um, Conan O'Brien, when he was in Toronto that one time filming a show. Oh, right. Yeah. He, uh, we got sent down to, uh, there was like a bit of a press conference going on. And uh, he was being interviewed by all local media prior to the show. And it was at one of the theaters on uh, Young Street. So we strolled down there. And uh, he just happened to be standing right there outside by himself. He couldn't get in the front door of the building. It was locked. So he really wouldn't acknowledge us. We're like, Mr. O'Brien, uh, we, we're here for your press conference. We're from a radio station. We're going around the back. We think we were told you got to get in through the back. So he goes, oh, okay. And he kind of just head down, like walked a little bit away from us. Because he's probably thinking, these two guys are going to take me in this back and kill me. <laughs> and, you know, he stands out. He's very tall and right. all that hair. Yeah. And he kind of, as we were walking down the sidewalk, he really just kind of kept his face turned to kind of the, the brick wall. He was really avoiding any hmm. interaction, which I thought was uh, was interesting. I mean, we told him we were from the media. It wasn't like we were just, you know. Anyhow. Or maybe he just wasn't on yet. Yeah. And he was, as soon as those mics turned on, there he was, yeah. you know, doing his thing. And I remember he went after horribly mocking, uh, Ben Mulrooney. Okay. Who would have been there from ET Canada right? or whatever yeah. at the time. Any question Ben asked, and I guess Conan knew he was the son of a former prime minister. Okay. And so he just was mocking him and Ben could not 
like one of these guys who you just know doesn't get it. Mm. You know, he's really good on camera when you give him a script. Yeah. But personality-wise, a bit of a stiff. Couldn't handle it? Oh, couldn't. Well, I mean, really, actually, Conan's going after you. How many people can? Right, right? yeah. He's pretty fast. Working at uh, the golf club at Royal Woodbine All right. uh, in, in Toronto, and, and you know there was always a lot of sports celebrities that, that would sure. come through there. They had a deal, I think, with the NHLPA at one point. So uh, I, I remember a, a couple of occasions. One was like Leafs alumni uh, or an, an alumni uh, tournament mm. that they had, and you know, kind of like. Today was a you know frost delay right. that was happening and everyone was stuck in the clubhouse and uh, and I remember um, that it was uh, Johnny Bauer who was you know telling stories about like sixty seven in the mm. cup and my hero like Bill Derlego and and uh, and Dan Dau and mm. these guys who were like you know from the eighties Leafs I grew up idolizing I think Wendell was there too and and they were just sitting around. Like listening, like kindergartners at story time to Johnny Bauer tell stories. And then another day, uh, you know, three guys came in, uh, quickly and were, were laughing and chatting. I recognized one right away because he was Charles Oakley from the Toronto Raptors. All right. Uh, These are all sports people. Right. With him, I said celebrities. With him was Anthony Anderson. Oh, now there's from a Black-ish. Yes, there's a celebrity. Right. Played with him, golfing with him. And I think the third guy was also a basketball player, but I think it was Tyrone Hill. If you remember later on, there was a fight on the court with Oakley and another player, and it was over like a gambling debt. Oh. I think that was the round of golf oh, where okay. it all happened. But Anthony Anderson from Blackish was there, and I remember him being really funny. He, uh, I watched that show, uh, Maria and I watch it, and it's funny. You know, a lot of young people now are wearing uh, T-shirts. This has been going on for a while, where they're wearing T-shirts of classic rock bands. Right, yeah. And I saw a terrific video the other day where uh, it's like a TikTok thing, where a mom is in a store with her kid, and her kid's like, I don't know, 12 or 13 or something, and wants like a Led Zeppelin T-shirt. And she says, if you can name me three Zeppelin songs, I'll buy you the T-shirt. Of course, he couldn't. So the other day on Blackish, the youngest daughter was wearing a Rolling Stones T-shirt. <laughs> and I thought, she couldn't name one. Even if you spotted her, I can't get no. <laughs> When I was a kid growing up in Bramley, we'd play a lot of street hockey, and we would be out there all hours of the day and night. And uh, at that time, uh, you were either going to be Daryl Sittler, you were going to be Landon McDonald. If you were in net, you were Mike Palmatier. And, and really, it was just any Leaf player, you know, you could nab. And outside of that, the only other guy I remember people wanting to be was Mike Bossy. Right. You know, because he got into the league in the late 70s, and uh, he was on fire right from the get-go. And, uh, you know, I because of my um, my uh, non-interest in hockey in general, I, you know, over the years lost track of where he was at or what he was doing. But I remember being uh, such a fan when I was younger. And then a little while back, a couple of weeks back, somebody uh, posted a letter he had written to his 14-year-old self. And you know, it triggered a memory in me about Mike Bossy and me being a fan when I was a kid. And so I read the whole letter, and it, it's really good. If you have not uh, seen it, just uh, Google Mike Bossy's letter to himself. It'll come up pretty quickly. It's really very good. And he, he talks, I think it's very, uh, very nice about the young girl behind the snack bar at the arena. Yeah. And how he was so nervous. He'd go and buy a chocolate bar off of her all the time and eventually married her. And uh, he kept going, he said, for two reasons, trying to make it to the NHL. 
If you quit, you'll, uh, if you don't quit, you'll set the record for goals in junior hockey and make it to the NHL. Number two reason for not giving up the girl behind the counter at the snack bar. So. Right. Uh, and, and he passed away uh, just last week of lung cancer. He talks about giving up cigarette smoking. I like near the beginning of the letter when he says, uh, uh, letter to my younger self, um, Guys don't smoke cigarettes and drink black coffee at intermission anymore. They drink smoothies and stretch. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's funny. You go back to the road hockey days. I remember my initial days in hockey. My first stick mm. was a Titan. Oh, cool. With Mike Bossy's signature on it. Yeah. Well, the first I remember to have the player, you know, now they all have their player names yep. in Boston sticks. They have their own curve pattern. But, it, you know, Mike Bossy Titan stick. And Wayne Gretzky told a story this weekend about when he was just getting started in the WHA, uh, everyone was using Coho or Louisville sticks, mm. and Titan came to him and offered him fifteen hundred bucks mm. to use this red Titan stick. And he said he, you know, called his dad to ask about it. And his dad said, "Well, some guy in on the island is scoring fifty goals a year with that stick, so you mm. better bloody well use it. I don't care what they're paying you." And that's why he started with Titan sticks. Oh, that's cool. And then eventually they said they would split the two of them up. That Mike Bossy would keep a red one, and they'd make a white one for Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, you know, you read this uh, article, this letter that he wrote to his former self, and you forget, of course, where the NHL was then compared to now. And he was a young, shy kid who made it into the NHL with all the skill in the world, but he did not want to fight, and he was called out horribly, not by other teams. His own teammates as well. Right. Uh, and he, he finally stood up for himself at some point and said, I'm just not doing this anymore. And you just didn't say that in the NHL in the 1970s. Yeah. But he did. And uh, only 65 years old when he passed away. Mm-hmm. So that was, a, that was a shame. And then uh, a man who has been a part of our summers uh, since the mid uh, early 80s in uh, Buck Martinez, play by play for the Toronto Blue Jays, at one time a player and a manager. He announced uh, that he's got to cancer. He hasn't said what form of cancer, but that him and his family are dealing. And so he's going to take the summer off, and he's going to um, uh, try to be uh, in great shape for the playoffs. So we wish him well. Yeah, uh, it, it you know, came as a, a, a real surprise as well because, um, you know, just a week ago when the season got started, Jamie Campbell, who hosts the Sportsnet Blue Jays coverage, uh, went on the air saying he's uh, battling leukemia. Oh, jeez. And that he would uh, stay on the air and continue to battle. And, and, you know, for all those who might be going through a similar battle, you know, he would battle along with them. Mm. Um, Buck, um, though, has to uh, go go for treatment, and so he's going to go off the air while he has that. At uh, Dean Blundell com our old pally he shares a great story of going down to some um, playoffs the Jays were involved in one year Buck Martinez and his wife were on the flight and his wife spent the entire time making sure everybody had food and drink <laughs> uh, which is pretty cool of his wife because you think she'd probably just sit there and go I'm not dealing with all these idiots right you know I listen as Jays fans we've been spoiled by you know Having Shulman and Martinez, yeah. having Buck uh, on that coverage has been it's been pretty amazing. Yeah, and he's got one of the all time great heads of hair. That's a, <laughs> that's a silver fox. Remember this: if you find yourself at the Grand Canyon, about two or three people die there every year by falling in. Oh, yeah. really? When we went there a few years back, I think I remember seeing somebody. They didn't fall in, but they certainly slipped. There was like a gap between the fence and the and a tree. And, you know, so many people want to get as close as they possibly can, take a picture, a selfie probably, and, yeah, they almost tumbled. And I think once you start rolling, it's hard to stop. I was a teenager when I went. I, I got a pick on, like, standing on a rock at the edge. But I think when I looked down, 
you know, there was still another like second ledge below me. Right. Although I'm not sure if I had fallen, would I be able to you know, catch my like grip on that? Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, yeah, there's no fence along the whole thing. It's rather big. So a bit long, and there's two sides. Imagine Arizona calling a fencing company. Right. Need a quote. All right. Look at doing wrought iron. <laughs> so we need to build a wall. Yeah. No. <laughs> so, yeah, just be careful of that. And if you've never been, it, it truly is, you know, you, we always hear things of being, you know, they're they're just amazing to see. and they're, But it really is. It's it's just it's breathtaking. Uh, when you, if you've ever seen it in person, it's, it's crazy how beautiful it is. Uh, you read 25% slower on a computer screen than you do on paper. Really? Well, because you spent a lot of time hitting that X to get rid of the ads. Yeah, it could be. It was scrolling. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's just the fact that, you know, as we get older, we have to adjust the page so much in front of us. We can do that lifting glasses and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then on a computer screen, you know, you kind of try to set your own distance with your head. The Washington Generals. Have beaten the Harlem Globetrotters only six times. Oh, really? Yeah, at least they had six, I guess. They lost 18,000 times. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> wonder what they make. Like a Washington Generals player. What are you, what are you making to bend over? Yeah. Imagine if you were a Globetrotter and you got traded to the Generals. Right. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, crap. <laughs> This is a, a stat I've heard others throw around before, but it's such a great one. The record for the most points by a pair of brothers in the NHL is oh, 2,861. Yeah. Uh, of course, the brothers are the Gretzkys. Wayne scored 2,857. His brother Brent scored four. <laughs> Poor Brent. Poor Brent. Like, you know, you just, I don't know what Brent does. Do we know what Brent Gretzky does? Uh, scouts. Yeah. Is he a scout? He must just, you know, sit up some flea bag motel somewhere. There's his niece at the Masters again. <laughs> There's his brother and his wife on somebody's yacht. Like, it's just never ending. <laughs> well, you, you think that's bad. Imagine when Brent goes home to dad's house, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, you got to go back to, to Brantford and look in the basement. Right, and all the trophies mm-hmm. and display cabinets that are filled with Wayne. Oh yeah, right. It's a museum to Wayne. Oh yeah, and then your one your one Tyke medal is there, <laughs> the most improved participation badge. <laughs> That's all I ever had as a kid. Damn participation badges. Now, speaking of the Masters, I read something I thought was hilarious, and I think it would be a terrific idea. Somebody said, you want to really show people how tough it is to play at that competitive level in the golf, is you get just an average Joe out there to play with all those pros at the Masters. Make them play all four days, walk it all, never give up, doing the shanking into the woods and crushing Miller lights the entire time. It would be dangerous. I think... You know, as funny as that it would be, it would slow the tournament down oh, take, ridiculously. Take eight days. You can't put him out uh, first. <laughs> <laughs> like, holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> Back up tea times by an hour. Yeah. And, They'll all be lined up. And really, truly, like, I, I've, I've read some articles from, from reporters and, and broadcasters who've played Augusta. Like, mm-hmm. they, they play uh, a broadcaster's tournament or a celebrity tournament the day after. Okay. Right? And they give you, so a lot of them get one round. And they said, you know, what the average player, and not even the average player, we're talking like, you know, two, three handicap, mm-hmm. like someone who shoots in the seventies consistently. Decent, yeah. Would be mid nineties. Wow. At least. Right. Right. Uh, at, at tournament conditions, not necessarily tournament tees right. as well. Right. You're going to back that up even further. Yeah. 
The Beastie Boys were originally a hardcore punk band with a female drummer. Really? Yeah. Well, I know a band looking for a drummer. I wonder if she's available. Oh, my goodness. We'll see. They got to do something. I can't imagine the Foo Fighters are done. I really can't. No, but it'll take a while. It'll be a while for sure. Uh, Godfather director Francis Ford Coppola made more money making wine than he did making movies. And he made wow. some movies. Wow. I don't think I've ever had his wine. It's very good. Is it affordable? Yeah, uh, it's in the, uh, it's in the nicer section. Okay. I mean, it's, it's probably like a 20, 22, $23, something like that. You know, Cage have a wine? I could probably afford that. <laughs> it's a couple of dollars. <laughs> the less. other Coppola. There's some, uh, documentary comedy spoof movie coming out that's yeah, about his he's life. He's in it. And yeah. he stars in it. Yeah. He was great in that history of cuss words. He was terrific right, in that. Yes. It was really good. It's good that he obviously doesn't take himself too seriously. John Lennon took a five-year break from writing music after his son was born in 1975, but he was inspired to go back and uh, get back into the studio after he heard the B-52's Rock Lobster. Oh. He just loved how it sounded. I might explain some things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, sound like Yoko Ono singing on a good day. Exactly, yeah. What else do we have here? hundred years ago, people used to get goat testicle transplants to cure impotency. Oh, my. We'll adopt. Thank you. We'll adopt. <laughs> Gotta feel bad for the goat. Ah, uh, yes. I mean, that. And, and, I mean, that's going to, that just goes to show you, like, uh, how big a problem this is for mm. the ego. Mm-hmm. Because a hundred years ago, anesthesis. Mm. <laughs> and freezing wasn't exactly the same as what it is now. No, you'd bite on a stick. <laughs> and cut open down there. Yeah, yeah. No thanks. New no, sir. <laughs> just, I got nephews and nieces. They're great. Just, just let the goat do it, man. <laughs> <laughs> Hear me out, babe. Got an idea. And finally, we all know that Albert Einstein, pretty bright guy. He had that whole theory of relativity and all of that. Yeah, he was all right. It was probably his best idea. But his second best, and he says this, he believed this to be true, his second best was adding in eggs while he cooked soup to make soft-boiled eggs without having to wash an extra pot. <laughs> That's not what he claimed. That's what he claimed. Second best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One pot cooking. Now, that just shows another example. He's a dude. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, he's just a dude. Well, here's something that uh, maybe Americans could pull together as one united front and fight. They didn't do well in a uh, men's junk measuring competition. <laughs> so right and left can come together and really fight this cause. A, um, a new study. Well, that's the issue. Coming together might be the problem. Right. A new study ranked the size of men's junk in 86 different countries around the world. A men's health uh, organization used Google data to come up with the numbers. And here's what they found. Now, I, it's a little concerning with the Google cameras and such. Are you looking at my bedroom? You're worried? Yeah. Wow. You need a wider lens, what I'm saying. I hope they got the entire shot. I haven't seen that on Google Earth. <laughs> um, Ecuador. Good on you, Ecuador. Ecuador. Yeah, uh, they are in first place out really? of 86 countries. They're measuring in on average around 6.93 inches. Swinging. Yeah. Ah, it's tough to choke on, though, that you, <laughs> that they win. Um, 21 different countries clocked in um, 
at over six inches, as a matter of fact. And the top five include Ecuador, Cameroon, Bolivia, Sudan, and Haiti. Okay. It's the heat. Yes. Well, hey, at least they got one thing going for them. What's that? Well, I mean... Oh, this. those countries. Oh, you sure. Know. Yeah, there's Haiti's got right problems. poverty and hurricanes, <laughs> but they're swinging. But hey, yeah, they're human tripods. They got that. Well, and do they account for you know weather? I mean, do they know about shrinkage? Right, right in Canada here, sure. I don't know if they've included that. And when did they take these this survey? Like right. middle winter. It's a lot to ask. We did all right though, Canada. Out of uh, eighty six countries, we're twelfth at six point one nine. All right. All right. Yeah. I'm glad I could help out. <laughs> uh, and last place, though, poor Cambodia, 3.95. Ooh, that's tough. You don't want to put that on the resume. No. And uh, the U.S., they arrived at uh, 59th. They they just rank higher than Japan. Japan's 5.34. U.S. is 5.35. Mm. The votes were fixed. <laughs> 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 Tough pill to swallow. <laughs> How far away do you currently live from the home you grew up in? Uh, about 10,000 people across the country were asked, and over half of us live in our same home province. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, that's, uh, I think, probably a little different. Uh, in the U.S., nobody lives in the state they were born in. I always so find that other. amazing. Yeah, and, and, and how there's so many people in the U.S. who travel around from state to state to state, live in different states, and you very rarely meet someone who's born and raised in the state that you're in, mm-hmm. but yet they haven't been anywhere outside of the U.S. That's right, yeah. Yeah, a lot of it for schooling and work. They go to some other state for their college, and then they end up just staying there because they get a job there, whatever the case may be. But, of course, Canada, we have these big, bold provinces, so we don't move out of them all that much, but just over half. So that means... Just less than half have left the province they were born in. Okay. Um, and that includes a quarter of those people who are in the same province. So just down to a quarter uh, live in the same hometown. I will contend there's probably certain provinces that uh, people stay are more apt to stay in. Ontario, mm. Quebec, definitely. Sure. Um, and, uh, and perhaps B.C., but uh, beyond that, some of the other provinces are more likely to move out and move to the bigger province. Yeah, you know, looking for work and such. Uh, some have stayed very close to home. A few said they live in the same neighborhood they grew up in. Some, a little fewer than that, live on the same street. And a handful of people live in the same home they were raised in. <laughs> right. Uh, but more that is, and more, you'll probably see that number go up, too. Yeah. <laughs> Moving back into that family home. Yeah, that group of people still fairly young, uh, adults under 30 still living uh, at home. But uh, I guess I'm about an hour or so away from the home I grew up in. Born in uh, Willowdale, right there around uh, Young in the 401, and then moved out to Bramalee when I was about five. Now here in Oshawa. Lucky's still a stone throw away from his home. Yeah, little big, <laughs> small stone, big throw. <laughs> but, but I basically pass it every day. Yeah, drop in for breakfast. Right, sometimes. So yeah, I mean, not the house I was born in, but certainly when I grew up. In, oh yeah. yeah, where were you born? Uh, there's a house further south in Oshawa. Oh, so it was still Oshawa. Yeah. So your parents weren't in that house all, all the entire time. No, I, I think I was just uh, a year old or something like that when they moved in. Mm. But they, when they first came here, they rented and rented a house in the south end of Oshawa. 
Do you ever turn to your dad and say, you came from Ghana, you could have gone anywhere in the world? <laughs> Guyana, not Guyana, Ghana. Sorry. Guyana, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Uh, anywhere in the world. You could have landed us in L.A. Right. Anywhere on the planet, Dad. Wow. But, but it's funny. Like, this has come up a few times where his plan was to go back. Mm. Right? And the plan was never to come here. Mm. It was more like a visit. Uh, and uh, he was just telling a story the, the other day, actually, where apparently... Uh, he wrote some test when he was at school in in the Caribbean, mm-hmm. um, and he didn't even know what the hell the test was for. It's just everyone was writing this test, and it was basically like a foreign workers test, a, a test to be able to work uh, anywhere in the world as a doctor. A, as a doctor, and and so when he got here, they basically hey said hey did hey do you have this test? Mm. Did you pass this test? And uh, he's like I don't even know. Like he had to call down to one of his buddies to say hey what what was that test that we took? He's like oh yeah that's the test mm. and that's how he got a chance to work here to be a doctor. Like, it was really kind of a, a circumstance of an accident. But you know that being said, I, I yes I probably could be living in some hot Caribbean country, or I could be in the outback of, <laughs> of the jungle somewhere if he was treating kids there. Yeah, no, uh, and I, I guess that must have been a thing. Uh, I don't know, because people always complain now. You'll, you'll hear of people immigrating with degrees and all sorts of things, but they can't work here with right. the degree they have. Yes. Yeah, well, and that's, you know, that's been kind of one of the major hiccups. Uh, more recently and through more the last couple of decades where you get you know some an influx of people coming in who are trained Mm -hmm. uh, but not trained here and so that means they have to either pass more testing or they have to take on other jobs and why your uber driver could be a a neurosurgeon so then obviously i guess that test that your dad took was something that the canadian government um needed or wanted wanted but maybe that's gone away now because why wouldn't somebody say they still have it but the opportunity to take it is much less is that what the deal is right so yeah i i I mean we we moved around a lot in brampton and then only moved due to work but i can understand especially if you around toronto if you if you work in the city you're bound to and if you were born and raised around the city chances are you, you probably stay uh, in the the town you were born in and i think too you know it, your upbringing has something to do with that if you're one who, who picked up and moved a lot mm. you're, you're like your family did and you're probably more likely mm-hmm. to pick up and move more often mm-hmm. when you're older as well yeah, I think there's, you know, I think that uh, my parents were in the same house from the time I was like four or five till I was 20. I think much like work, there was a generational thing where you just bought a house and you it was your goal to pay off that house. Right. And you stayed in that house. Um, yeah, we do a lot more bouncing around. Maybe not so much anymore because it's hard to find a home. And even when you do, it's hard to afford them. Yeah. You usually stay where you are because what's the point in moving is people always say, well, I could get 1.5 for my house, but where am I going to live? I just yeah. have to turn around and spend that. So anyhow, it, it is interesting. I, you know, and it's, it's a comfort zone, right? It's a, it's a comfort thing that you, uh, you're used to it. It's, it's everything you know. I always feel like, I mean, I'm glad we we did that little hike. The farthest we ever went was Windsor. It's not like we left the country at all, but it was nice. It was, I I thought, even for Maria and I and the boys, because now it was just the four of us on our own. Yeah. You know, we didn't know anybody. We had no family there. We were... We were on our own, and well, it worked out quite well. Yeah, I lived in Kingston for five years when I went to school there. Yeah. Right? And, of course, the first year, you know, you're on campus and in residence. And right. Really count. But then you get out and get a house and yeah. kind of, you know, have to kind of fend for yourself and experience that. Yeah. I, I think it's incredibly valuable to do that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Would you send the boys away to school? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, Adrian won't. <laughs> She'll homeschool them. Rock mornings with, with Craig Venn and Lucky. Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.